0: Hi guys and welcome to Raw Talk with Sheena. Thank you so much for tuning in for another week's episode. This is going to be a super quick introduction because this episode is a little bit longer than usual. I sat down with someone that I've made my friend. His name is Luke Story and he has his own podcast called The Lifestylist. He has incredible information. We go through things starting from addiction, talking about his life um, kind of in the throes of it and how he's completely transformed to becoming someone who is an advocate for healthy living, wellness, well-being, spirituality, having a spiritual compass and also being um, just an amazing business person actually. So he was inspiring in so many ways and I cannot wait for you to tune into this episode. Um, Just a couple of quick announcements. So if you guys like being a part part of the creation of the podcast if you like to give me your responses if you like to direct some of the upcoming episodes and topics that I might cover the best place to do that is on the raw talk with sheena private facebook group so make sure that you join that group i believe that it's just backslash raw talk with sheena on facebook or send me a dm on instagram and i'll send you the link so tune into that. We also have a book club coming up in March. So if you're interested in any of those things, just go join the private Facebook group. And my last announcement comes from my two businesses, the first being Raw Republic and the second being The Space at Raw Republic. So downstairs is my juice bar, cold pressed, organic. You know, you guys, I was in New York this weekend for a friend's bachelorette party and I went to one of the most popular new juice bars on the block. And I'm not going to say the name, but just because someone is saying that they're a juice bar doesn't mean that they're necessarily healthy and not necessarily saying that this place was particularly unhealthy, but... It just made me really proud of my juice bar, knowing that everything that goes into my juices and smoothies is organic, is homemade, is made with the highest quality ingredients, is um, reduced in its inflammatory properties because of those high quality ingredients and organic ingredients. And I just saw, you know, in New York that the new kid on the block Wasn't really doing that and was charging the same prices. So I feel really proud of my juice bar this month. And I hope that if you're in New Orleans, you have a chance to go check it out. And if you're not in New Orleans, I have a wellness space above the juice bar, and it's called The Space, and it hosts amazing practitioners who do a lot of distance energy healing sessions distance coaching and we also sell a lot of our products online and and ship those so tune into at raw republic juice on instagram and also wellness x the space on instagram for updates on both of my businesses and let's get into this episode enjoy you guys You're listening to a fresh new podcast on healing, spiritual development, nutrition, energy work, and sometimes aliens. From the owner of the celebrity acclaimed Raw Republic Juice Bar and Wellness Center in New Orleans, Louisiana, Sheena Manina. Yes, that's her real name. This is Raw Talk with Sheena. Okay, we're live. Basic Witches, welcome to another week of Raw Talk with Sheena. I'm so, so excited about this. I've been looking forward to connecting to you, Luke.
1: Likewise.
0: I've made you my virtual best friend. I'm into it. Um, and I've done that because I felt an immediate connection to you, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way because you're so incredibly amazing at being authentic about this experience, about this journey, about really not knowing the answers, and... You've been very open about the process of that, and so I'm really excited and I know my listeners are incredibly excited about talking to you about how that journey began, how it's evolved and and where you are now
1: cool, ready awesome. yeah, I'm and you ready. said
0: nothing's off limits oh,
1: of course not. you just we'll just bleep it out after if it's too <laughs> no I'm just kidding no I mean that's that's the thing like you said I I just enjoy having real open dialogue with people, recorded or otherwise. And sometimes I forget that we're actually recording and the things that I reveal are going to live maybe forever online. Um, But so far it's served me because, like you said, people relate to... Realness, you know, and it's so uh I don't think anything's off limits. And if it was, I would just say, Oh, I'm not gonna answer that, (laughs) you know.
0: Right. But I think that you've come to this point in your life where you've been through so much that you've garnered confidence through the showing up of those periods of discomfort.
2: Yeah. Right. So now you can
0: say, like if you're in a situation, for example, that you don't doesn't feel comfortable. You're confident enough to say, Oh am not yeah. like, You know
1: what I do sometimes? I'll, I'll sometimes be talking to someone and I'll I'll notice that my energy is off and I, I just identify that I really don't want to be talking to them. <laughs> you know, like an energy vampire situation? And right. I, in the past, I used to i just start to kind of, my heart rate would go up and I'd start feeling uncomfortable and trying to look for like an out to end the conversation or to walk away. And I would just people please and sit there and like listen to someone that I don't really want to listen to. I mean, God bless them, but you know, just, you know, that's that kind of conversation where you're like, oh my God, how can I walk away without offending this person? Right. And now I really, I have fun doing things that are really uncomfortable, like just in the middle of someone's diatribe, just be like, cool, listen, I gotta go. And I just walk away like in the middle of it. And That's it's, awesome. It's so liberating because I don't feel responsible for someone else's feelings. I mean, it's not right. to say that I'm rude. I mean, I, I think I, I make a great effort to be kind to people as yeah. best I can. But um, yeah, I have done a lot of things over the years that feel very uncomfortable in the immediate, but bring that sense of, of liberation and freedom because I can take care of myself. It's like an act of self-care to... Say what you want to say, and don't And say and don't say what you wait. How do you say that? <laughs> it's an act of self care to be in charge of your own time and how you spend it.
0: Yes, and yeah. it's and it's also an expression of your authenticity. Showing up for what is honestly happening is something that feels sometimes for a lot of people alarming because they're not used to seeing that in a lot of societal norms you know we're all like complying to making other people feel comfortable which actually I think in the end makes everyone uncomfortable yeah but um I would
1: I would argue and say that it's not my job to make other people feel uncomfortable or comfortable and if my behavior is make quote-unquote making them feel uncomfortable in many cases they're making themselves feel uncomfortable yeah I believe in personal responsibility I agree that's why it's very difficult sometimes living in Hollywood where there's so much thought policing and political correctness and everyone gets offended by everything and it gets to the point where it's ridiculous you know just like you can't say anything without offending so yeah you you, you uh, you're gonna offend someone you know it's like uh it's just it's madness so I try to be conscious and I don't Want to upset anyone, of course, you know what I mean? You don't right. want to go around hurting people, but sometimes it's like, God, no matter what you do, you're just kind of walking on eggshells and tiptoeing around. And I find that to be just so exhausting. Yes. So I like to be real. And the weird thing is, is the more real I am, uh, the more it's like I'm just used to that, but then I get around other people and they comment on that so much, and I'm like, what? That's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: it's like, and do they think even- it's blunt?
1: No, no, not at all. I think, it, I think people find it refreshing yes. when, when you can be upfront and just, I think you know what a lot of it is too, is I don't like to waste time. I have a real, I'm mm. obsessed with efficiency. I don't mm-hmm. like doing things that are inefficient and, mm. and beating around the bush and not just speaking your truth and standing behind it is a waste of time. Okay. It's not efficient. To mince words. Okay. So it's, it's very efficient to just be straight and honest and to the point.
0: So this is something that I actually wanted to talk to you about. This was topic number two, but we're going to get into yeah. it first. And it's the idea. So I agree with that in a lot of ways, and I love and appreciate your content, you know, so much. Um, but there is an essence of, of a female balance that is necessary. I think that is sometimes lost in that trying to be so efficient, right? Sure. Well, there efficiency
1: meets- is masculine energy.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay, so how do you balance that with allowing things to evolve? Because I, I recognized in myself, like, I used to be very aggressive, very masculine-oriented, wanting to get things done, having lists. Um, I completely burnt out. I stopped mm-hmm. enjoying things. I When you
1: were really in your masculine energy, did it serve your relationships in a positive way?
0: No, absolutely not it was it was the opposite of what I wanted to bring to my relationship. There was no softness there was that sense of I could be doing something better right and so right. that was something that I actually wanted to address with you because I feel like you're moving forward with so much ammunition toward creating a conscious relationship and so I want to know how you're going to intentionally balance that sense of efficiency and and speaking your truth with also kind of allowing things to unfold in sort of that feminine way as well.
1: Well, here's the thing is all of the work that I, I mean, I can't even call it work, but the energy and time I spent in spiritual pursuit is all very yin and very passive, so if you see me on social media and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm running around and biohacking all this stuff I mean it's really boring to post a 30 minute meditation <laughs> on Instagram or I do
0: that all the time
1: <laughs> you know what I mean so
0: Unless someone's doing it with you, yes. No one wants to watch you do a 30-minute meditation.
1: The time that I spend in contemplation and in journaling and prayer and meditation and even creativity, playing guitar and even conceptualizing my podcast and working on editing photos and even to some degree social media, at least on the artistic side of it, of creating content, uh, that's where I find the balance against that efficiency and proactive and productivity, and, you know, and in creating and uh, having two businesses and doing all that stuff I do that's very yang and very proactive. Mm-hmm. The balance for me is like in the self-care and stopping and I mean I, every day I go sit in the sauna for an hour, you know, and that's that's like a very yin, passive, not doing anything. Um, sometimes I have I cheat and I make it more efficient <laughs> because <And you> <laughs> I'll do, bro, I'll, yeah, your, your phone will melt in there, but I yeah. do, you know, I'll do my breathing exercises mm-hmm. or do a little yoga in there or something like that because I do get kind of bored or I listen to a podcast that's more like educational, something I really want to focus in on. But for the most part, it's I actually spend a lot of time in feminine energy mm-hmm. and I'm very much in touch with that. And I also am very in touch with, my emotional center and my feelings. And I very much uh, respect and honor the need to express emotions and feelings and work through things, which is a really feminine expression of of my um, humanity.
0: Existence. Yeah, I Absolutely. mean, emotions
1: are, are feminine. You know, when you're expressing emotions, it's, it's a feminine act. It's uh, the observing of those emotions is... More from a masculine point of view, where mm-hmm. I see the storm within me and I sit back and okay, and I allow the storm to have space to express and move through me so that I don't, I'm not motivated by negative emotions and things like that or get yeah. stuck or caught in them for an extended period of time. So I think I'm actually learning how to have pretty good balance in terms of that. In a relationship, it's different because the other person, I think has to have some degree of awareness also about how to work with that energy so that you too can, and I'm not a relationship expert, but this is as much as I've been able to piece together Mm -hmm. in the years that I've been at them, uh, is that you have to both kind of have an awareness of how your your energetic position fluctuates and and when you're in masculine and when you're in feminine. Not like you have to be analytical about it and make it a big deal, Mm -hmm. but it's just a subtle inner awareness that comes from things like meditation where you you know like maybe you're the feminine role in the relationship and you come home from work and you've been out like kicking ass and just dominating and you're a lawyer Mm -hmm. and you're badass girl boss like cool that's awesome but if you come home still in that energy and your man is still in that energy you're not going to have a lot of polarity you know there's no connection um in terms of chemistry and Mm -hmm. things like that right Mm so Maybe you would build the awareness where you would come home and be like, okay, I've been busting balls all day long. Yeah. Now I want to come home and be cherished and, and yes. really get that nourishment yes. from from the masculine. You right. know, If you're both kind of aware of how those dynamics work, it gets yeah. interesting and fun because you can communicate about it and you can play with it. And then I think you have a much better chance of success, at least on an energetic level. Of course, mm-hmm. there's a thousand other things that have to be present in order for a relationship to work and be beneficial to both people. But on an energetic level and creating that balance, you have to learn how to do it yourself and then come together and really work as a, as a whole unit yeah. and learn how to fluctuate back and forth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm having a life coaching session and I'm analyzing all of these things <laughs> that you're telling me and also like thinking about how I incorporate them and how, how it plays out in my relationship and in my work experience. And the interesting thing is don't we wish it were so simple to just have that, the the mindset and the idea that, yes, I'm a businesswoman during the day and I'm going to come home and be in, in a feminine experience and that will mean that there's balance for me and that will be easy and that will also be what you know the masculine wants. Yeah. But what happens from a female perspective is that um, there's... Also, a sense of needing to do things to be in that feminine energy. When you're around a man, sometimes there are expectations, like um, like cooking dinner, like um, like being that that nurturing sort of um, embodiment of of care. And sometimes, when you come from the experience, and this is definitely something I've experienced in my relationship in relation to business, is that that can sometimes feel like work too. And women, I think, really need to take a step back and recognize that there needs to be a lot of internal work outside and a lot of of private work and a lot of private connection, a lot of self-care that has to happen outside of the relationship and also outside of business.
1: Yeah. And that's a lot to fit in. Totally, totally. Like, it we, is. It's, it's a full-time job. I mean, that's it's, it's the same thing for me. I mean, as we were talking about before we recorded, I'm single at the moment. I'm consciously and intentionally not in a yes. relationship for a period of time, which mm-hmm. we can talk about. But in the context of a relationship, yeah, there's a lot that I have to do to take care of myself so that I'm not a burden to the relationship. Yes. So I go to kundalini yoga for 90 minutes and I work out my demons. So when I come home, I'm not a dick to my girlfriend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's not the responsibility of your partner to shoulder. I mean, you share and you support one another, but it's like, I have to take care of myself. Right. And keep my own side of the street clean. It's like the principle uh, that EMTs learn is that... You know, it's like, you have to save yourself first. I mean, that's yes. why when you're on the airplane, they say, put on your oxygen mask first. I mean, this is what I live by. It's like, to thine own self be true, mm-hmm. make sure that my house is in order. And then there's some space to share it with someone else, which is really what I'm doing right now in a yes. more intensive focused way for a longer period of time
2: mm-hmm.
1: in the context of being out of a relationship and really just stepping back and going, all right, what can I bring and, and what sort of lifestyle do I need to create in order to cultivate, I don't know, to become the man that I really want to be, where I feel very confident about what I have to contribute to a relationship to the degree that I demand from my partner Mm -hmm. a certain level of integrity and a certain level of commitment commitment to themselves first. And then as a third entity to the relationship, you (laughs) know, and I think at different times I've gotten that twisted and devoted too much to the partner or too much to the relationship and too little to myself. And, many times way too much attention on myself and too little on the partner and on the third entity of the relationship. So it's kind of why I'm resetting now and going, all right, I'm going to get my shit together and become very stable until I I really feel ready. You know, Because I know now more clearly than I think I ever have before of what I want in terms of uh, the type of relationship and the type of person that I want to spend time with.
0: When did you start seeing a shift in living like everyone else and then beginning to use your consciousness to change that experience, to direct it in a way that you actually wanted or intended? When did that switch? In the context of
1: relationships? No, in everything. Just lifestyle? I think that… Well, I I mean, my story is super easy and it's a classic one in a sense. I was just from a really young age. I was really unhappy. I experienced a, a fair amount of trauma and abuse as a kid. My reaction to that and my coping mechanism was taking a lot of drugs mm-hmm. and alcohol and became terribly addicted and was in all sorts of trouble with the law. Mm-hmm. And,
0: you For know, how long f- was that happening?
1: From around eight or nine to 14 and then I took a two-year break because I was locked up in this weird school. And mm-hmm. then 14 to 16, I was working on myself and, and getting a lot of therapy and was doing really well in mm-hmm. this school. Uh, it's a school for like delinquents and stuff, essentially. Troubled kids, you know, troubled youth-type boarding mm-hmm. school. And uh, And then when I was 16, I got out of there and thought that I could – dabble in drugs and not get caught up again as I was Mm -hmm. when I was, you know, young kid. And, uh, and I did get caught up when I was 16. I, I'll never forget. It's so funny. It's like, if you're, if you're not, an addict or alcoholic, this makes no sense. Cause yeah. you just, if you're not like that, it's so hard to explain, but any alcoholic or addict listening will know what I'm talking about. But I thought I could just like smoke weed here and there. When I got to this boarding school, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm definitely not going to do hard drugs yeah. or do any crime, but yeah. like yeah, I could smoke weed. So on my, I think it was on my 16th or 17th birthday.
0: Do you think it's funny because you don't believe that someone with an addictive background can do that?
1: Uh I think it's funny because the what we call the phenomenon in recovery there's a something called the phenomenon of craving and that's if you have the DNA that I have mm-hmm. if I do one mind altering drug mm-hmm. or I drink alcohol something weird happens within me and I want more and more and more Mm -hmm. and more and more and also not just more of whatever that thing is but more of everything.
2: Everything.
1: And that's what's funny. It's funny peculiar, not funny hilarious. It's funny odd, funny strange Mm -hmm. that certain Folks like myself are wired that way. And I know this to be true because I tested it literally thousands of times. Oh, I'm just going to drink beer. I'm just going to smoke weed. I'm just going to do that. And I'd like touch one thing and just catch on fire with addiction. You know, just immediately obsessively just, you know, just a disaster. So when I'm 16 or 17, it was my birthday and my friends were like, dude, just smoke weed. I'm like, no, I'm not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. I used to have problems with it. Oh, it'll be fine. It's just weed. And I smoked weed. And from the second of that first hit, I was just like, give me some Coke. Where's the acid? Let's drink. I mean, I was just <laughs> like full on instantly within a few months, I was absolutely just caught again uh, in that in that prison of mm-hmm. constant craving and all that. So anyway moved to Hollywood when I was 19, uh, essentially just to party yeah. without interference from any parents or authority. Mm-hmm. I got a fake ID and started playing in bands. And this is like the late 90s. Hollywood was really, I mean, people probably think it's seedy now. Hollywood is like Disneyland now. I mean, just in terms of the crime mm-hmm. and just the scumminess and just the underbelly of Hollywood. I'm sure it's there. I'm just not tapped into it. But mm-hmm. Hollywood is really dirty and very gang ridden. There was crack all over the streets of Hollywood in the early 90s. I mean, it was not a fun place. You had the LA riots, you had the, you know, the Rodney King, you had OJ, you had the Northridge earthquake. There's, I
0: never think about these things. There's a these lot are, of, something, these yeah, are things that never come into my consciousness. There's a lot
1: of crazy shit that happened yeah. in the early 90s. So all in the middle of that, I was playing in bands, doing my best to be a rock star, hanging around people that were actual rock stars. But me never really being able to quite get there because the drugs would always cut me down. Mm-hmm. I would have opportunities and then I would blow it because I was hung over or strung out or whatever the case may be. So my story is that, you know, it's like suffering, 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 mm-hmm. find some relief, but mm-hmm. then the relief makes you suffer more. <clears throat> Eventually I'm twenty six years old. I'm living in Hollywood. I'm totally incapable of holding a job. So I dealt drugs for a number of years and uh I think there's a statute of limitations, hopefully, (laughs) you know, but I had a thriving business, you know, but even that at a certain point, I couldn't even hold it together enough to deal drugs. Mm -hmm. Like when you're a drug dealer and you can't do that shit right, you really got a problem. Mm -hmm. Like when you're going to fire yourself as the CEO of Drug Inc. in your little, you know, studio apartment. Yeah, how does that happen? I mean, it's just, I couldn't, I, I just... You couldn't, you couldn't, I was like, just falling was no apart. no functioning. Yeah, I mean, there's just, like, people would... Back then, you know, it's pre-cell phone. People would leave messages. Hey, bro, I want to see if I could come by and score. And they'd, like, leave a... Uh, what's you that? You couldn't an answering meet the machine? demand of
0: your client. Yeah, an answering machine. And, all and all I just, things.
1: you know, whatever. I'd sleep for three days because I was on a run or, you know, whatever. I was just... My life was so insane. So I started praying, essentially... I wasn't religious, I didn't really believe in God, but I think I said a few prayers, and I was studying like some Hindu philosophy and gurus from India and mm-hmm. things like that, and I had a feeling that the answer was in the spiritual realm. And so I started to toy with that mm-hmm. a little bit and just flirt with some of those ideas by reading books. and.
0: At that time when you were doing drugs, were you trying to experience that through drugs?
1: Well, I didn't know it at the time, but I was, yeah. I was trying to access... The spiritual reality, which drugs, in a sense, it, I don't think they do in reality. It's more of a facsimile, but it feels similar to the real thing. I mean, right before you came, I was just meditating. I was over there with all <laughs> hooked up to all this crazy shit, and I was meditating. And oh my god! I, I peek at the clock and be like, she's going to be here at 8.30. It's like 8.23. I'm like, oh no, more, more, more. You know, I just, I love that. And so now I achieve it in ways that are productive and healthy and natural. But yeah, that was what I was going for, you know, whether it was psychedelics or even, I mean, opiates really, when they're, Before you're strung out on opiates where you're like horribly physically addicted and you still feel the effects and you actually get the good high from them, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's very much like a deep meditation because you're sort of, when you're high on heroin or any derivative of morphine, essentially, you, it's like you're awake, but you're not awake. So you could sit here and have a conversation, but it's like you're dreaming almost. It's a really Mm -hmm. numb sort of insulated bubble kind of feeling and you're warm and fuzzy and itchy and kind of half awake and half asleep. I mean, I'm glamorizing it. That's how it, <laughs> yeah. that, That's how it is for about five minutes. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I mm-hmm. mean, it's not, you know, a couple months of that, and you think you're getting away with it, and then next thing you know, you're shitting mm-hmm. your pants walking down the street because you're in withdrawals. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. glamorous or cute in any way, but to your question, yeah, I was seeking, you know, an escape on a spiritual level, but I had no awareness of that, you know? So eventually that all got very painful the walls are closing in on me the walls are crumbling i'm mm-hmm. losing relationships i'm failing in my career endeavors i mean i'm just i just hated myself it's hard to imagine now cuz i'd never feel like that but i i literally hated myself i would look in the mirror and i just loathed myself i was so full of shame and I was just such a failure and Mm -hmm. I knew that I was. I wasn't like deluding myself like no man I'm awesome. Mm -hmm. No I knew I was a drug addict and Mm -hmm. a loser Mm -hmm. which made it really hurt. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like you know what I mean I didn't have people around me propping me up like bro you're doing great. Like everyone around me is like dude I can't (laughs) be around you anymore it's too sad. Yeah, It's too pathetic to watch you like have garage sales on your lawn like selling shit for five dollars to go buy crack. It's just like so sad Mm -hmm. and Mm I think that I knew on one level that, you know, it's that cliche. I had potential. Mm-hmm. It's like when I was a kid, even though I was horrible in school, there were certain teachers or adults that were like, man, you have something special. Mm-hmm. And I, and I believed that and I knew it in one sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things that are special, I, I use now in a positive sense. I'm good with people, and people seem to like having me around, and I'm somewhat entertaining and mm-hmm. engaging mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. And I was like that when I was a little kid. Yeah. But it wasn't encouraged, and I went about it in, a, in ways that were disruptive to class. And I was like the class clown, but... Yeah. I love, I love like, entertaining people and making people think and having conversations and just getting people together. I mean, I'm really an extrovert in that way. Yeah. And so, um, so I knew that I had some talent, whether it be in music or whatever, creative ability, I guess you could say. And it was so painful to, like, watch that just get flushed down the toilet every yeah. day. So at a certain point, I finally surrendered and I asked, you know, I called my mom and I was and she knew obviously that I had trouble and was always trying to get me in rehab and stuff like that and uh, so I called her and I'll I'll never forget it It was like it was a really pivotal moment in my life because she'd been like trying to get me to go to rehab forever and I just wasn't having it. I was Mm -hmm. like uh, Amy Winehouse, you know, they try to make me go to rehab. I say, no, no, no. no." no. (laughs) Yeah, I just like, thank you for calling, bye. And then I just go back to what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But on this one day, there was just that moment of surrender. You know, it was just this millisecond where I thought, I can't do this. I can't, Mm -hmm. I cannot do this. And uh, it wasn't that I, I, it's not only like I can't live like this, but I knew that I couldn't fix it myself because I kept trying to fix it. I'll just do, I'll mm-hmm. go over here. I'll hang out. I will stop hanging out with those people. I won't mm-hmm. date these kind of women. Mm-hmm. I won't play in that band. Yeah. I'll just drink beer. I, I won't, won't do, do the hard drug. stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was always, they call it switching seats in the Titanic, mm-hmm. you know, you can switch seats, but in the end, the ship's still going down. <laughs> yeah. So I would switched to every goddamn seat and was looking around like, oh boy, I need Shit. to abort mission. And mm-hmm. then, the, and I called my mom. I said, mom, I was sleeping on some floor and fucking thing. It was a godforsaken place in the Valley. I was like, in the middle of Tarzana or Canoga Park or something just in one of my drug buddies houses sleeping on the floor I mean, it's a class it sounds like a made up story but I was literally going through withdrawals for 3 or 4 days on the floor there was no bed there was no couch and i was just drinking and taking pills and i would smoke opium to like get off the heroin and you know i was taking all this other stuff to come down softly but it was not soft and then i would kind of be half in consciousness and out and i'd look over and there'd be cockroaches like crawling no, down on the rug this is next my to me you know. yeah this is i mean worst it's just fear. it's the truth it's what yeah. happened and coming out of that haze, and then after three or four days, the withdrawal symptoms from opiates kind of subside, and you still feel like crap, but you're not like sweating and throwing mm-hmm. up and all that stuff. So you go through that. It's like the movie Train Spotting. Those things are those movies that like sensationalized, uh, sensationalized opiate withdrawal. They're mm-hmm. actually pretty realistic most of the time. Strangely, it really is that much of a nightmare. But I came out of that and was like stuck out there. The buddy drug buddy wasn't home, and I'm just there. I have no car. There was no Uber. I had no drugs, and it was just like, oh my god, it's come to this. This this sucks this so bad. End. Yeah, and I called my mom, and I was like, something to the effect I on said, a mom. landline. Yeah, I said I'm I'm uh, I'm ready, and she was like, why? Well, I said, yeah, let's. I need to go away. I need help. And she's like, what? You know, she couldn't believe that I finally had you know, surrendered in that way. And she's like, are you serious? Are you serious? I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Do what you got to do. Give me a ticket. I'm out. I, I'm, i you know, I give up. Mm-hmm. It's the white flag of surrender. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, two days later, I'm on a plane and I'm in rehab in Northern California. Just <laughs> waking up in there. I'm, I'll never forget waking up in rehab. And, you know, you I came to and I was, to- of course, like hammered when I went in there, but I came too, and I opened my eyes and I was like, where the hell am I? I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? Oh,
0: my God. Exactly. I checked
1: myself into a goddamn rehab and I was like pissed at myself. Like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but I really wanted to change. I really yeah. wanted to change. And, you know, thankfully, I'm one of the lucky ones. I mean, that's the thing, even as tough as life gets on any of us sometimes, but sometimes it's rough. I go through periods that are really painful and difficult, like all humans. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's never that bad because it's not that bad. You know what I mean? In that moment when I came to in that place, I, I really started praying sincerely and deeply praying to whatever mother nature, or universal sort of source God, just nondescript, non-deity type God. And I was instantaneously relieved of any craving for drugs. Or alcohol, Mm -hmm. and that has remained with me for almost 21 years. It'll be it'll be 21 years on February 15th that that gift has been given to me. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm like living on borrowed time almost. Or that every day after that, it's like, oh my god, I'm just happy to be alive and not in that bondage. Right. You know, it was just like. It's hard to describe if you haven't felt that feeling. Now, when I talk to someone who was so afflicted and they're sober, they're like, yeah, we get each other. I mean, that's why 12-step groups and things like that exist, because mm-hmm. you have a certain level of understanding for each other that people outside of that experience just don't have. They might have similar problems, mm-hmm. but when you have that, it's a thing. It's a, yeah. it's a unique uh, human phenomenon, yeah. you know? Do you
0: feel like you have to continue adhering to what you sort of latched onto in that experience to continue moving forward in this way?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because the issue really when you're into drugs like that is that the way you process reality is dysfunctional and it's really painful It's just life hurts. Just everything Mm -hmm. hurts. Everything's Mm -hmm. confusing and frustrating and hopeless and helpless. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you're always down in those really low emotional states of Mm -hmm. grief and apathy and hopelessness and despair. And at best, maybe you can get up into anger and resentment and hostility and fear and anxiety. That's like the high point. And Mm then you take drugs and alcohol and they mask all of those lower states of emotion. Mm -hmm. But then you come down and you're back where you were, you know? That's why I don't really like... I don't want to say I don't believe in it, but mm-hmm. I've never been like very curious about like using drugs to find a spiritual experience at this point, like ayahuasca or something like yeah. that. Cause I'm like, yeah, but then it's over and you're just back to you again. So, so. Well,
0: I have something to say about yeah. that, but also I'm like, what you're describing is also what I feel not coming from an addictive perspective, Of what of what I can say, like I don't I don't recognize any addictions in my life, but I can say that I still experience those things. I still experience that reality. I still experience the questioning of what I'm viewing this world to be like. Is it normal? Is is my perception of reality correct? Am I you know I do question my sanity. I do question my path. I do question my choices and and my decisions to because. When when you're living this spiritual life and you've kind of committed to doing things outside of societal norms and and what is to be expected, you're free falling in a lot of ways. And when you don't have um, something like for me, you know, I don't have that structure to fall back on because I didn't have that experience of addiction like you had. Right. And so, what do you? How do you talk to people who are? not addicts, and who are trying to find that spiritual experience um, without conforming to idealism.
1: Oh, totally. I totally get it. So to, to finish up the first half of that, do I still have to do all this stuff in order to stay sober, essentially? Yes, because now I've got to continually work on accepting reality and having reality in a framework that is manageable to me where i used to use drugs as a crutch to change reality now i've got to actually be totally in reality so that requires uh, a certain framework and practices like meditation mm-hmm. and just having a spiritual sort of bent to my life i mean everything i do is always geared toward you know what serves the highest good mm-hmm. of of source or god and my, but what is my reality, mission is to luke, live by that
0: luke what is reality
1: well, reality is whatever's happening in this instant moment. You know, what's non-reality is what was happening and what we perceive as uh, going to happen. You know, okay. so reality to me is just—it's just an instant moment. That's a fleeting moment. Gone, 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 gone. There goes reality. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a moving target. You know, but in regard to your question of you know, what does one do if they want to have a more rich experience of life or have some semblance of spirituality and be able to live from that perspective, but they haven't been, you know, beaten down into submission by some sort of acute pain or issue Mm -hmm. or something like that. Like, I think the key is in, Raising the bottom so and in someone like me I had a really low bottom and I know a lot of people that were way worse they mm-hmm. lived on the streets for 10 years and you know were arrested 20 times I mean I was a lightweight compared to most people I know that mm-hmm. are in, in recovery and stuff I mean my friend Khalil I interviewed him <laughs> He's, he owns a juice spot uh, in, in Malibu actually I have him all over now and his story he wrote a book called I Forgot to Die and I interviewed him and I was like I think I could go out and do more <laughs> drugs like dude you took he took it to the <laughs> next level but, you know, each one of our pain is relative oh, to our yes. own experience. Oh, yes. I mean,
0: yes, I experience pain. Yeah, and yes, so, it is like dark and it is, but...
1: Well, here's the here's the thing, though. Let, let me just wrap this thought up. And it's, you know, obviously it's longer than we have time for to really go into it. But when I work with people, say, in a coaching capacity or just friends or family, and they don't suffer from the acute addiction issues... What I do is I meet them where they are. So if you have a mind, say, that can't stay in the present moment and you can't stop thinking or you can't stop worrying or you can't stop checking your phone or you can't stop bitching about the weather or about politics and you just are captured by negativity, whether it's negative emot- emotions or thought forms, you are addicted. Mm-hmm. It's just that some of us get relief from that addiction by adding drugs and alcohol to it so that it like, whoo, turns down the volume. Now, Mm -hmm. if you don't have the addictive gene and say you're worried about something in a way that you shouldn't be and it's bothering you and I give you a beer, that does nothing for you. Nothing. You could smoke weed. You're like, yeah, I'm still upset. Now I'm just half lightheaded and I'm upset, you know, Mm -hmm. for some people. Or it can
0: relax the physicality, you know, sometimes, which is... Beneficial sometimes.
1: Yeah. So I way. think the key is in getting someone to see how neurotic they are, mm-hmm. even if they don't have those acute, really obvious addictions. It's like each one of us, you can meet anyone at a certain level and be like, okay, can you stop yourself from thinking? Try to not think for five minutes.
2: Yes. You know, You're right. powerless.
1: Your mm-hmm. mind's got you. Mm-hmm. Not that thinking's bad, mm-hmm. but it controls you.
0: So your approach is, is mostly separating from that logical way, practical yeah, way it's of from Yeah, it's from
1: building a witness perspective. It's, it's of building a relationship with one's true or highest self that is grounded in reality, grounded in source, that's able to be in a position more and more of the time to observe the phenomenon of the personality, of the ego, of the emotions, of the thoughts. Because otherwise what happens is, in the way that I live my life, is... I was my thoughts. I was my feelings. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any other part of myself other than that lower animal nature that's just running around, you know, motivated by instincts Mm -hmm. and just in that self-centered fear and in that uh, selfishness and Mm -hmm. taking and taking and taking and taking and really having no interest in contribution, right? Mm -hmm. And so… We all have the potential for that because we all have an animal body and a spiritual soul. And so it's a matter of exercising the relationship with the spiritual soul in an effort to live more minutes per day in that uh, perspective than in my lower self. Like, oh, what if the check doesn't come? I don't know. I I need a girl. I need to get some food. Where's the sugar? Where's Mm -hmm. the, you know, like to live in that sort of habitual addictive thing where you're, you're trying to, um, you're trying to run from your emotions and you're you're frustrated by the, the negative thoughts that you're having in your mind and then it's like the mind's trying to control the mind or the feelings trying to control the feelings when meanwhile over here it's like hey I'm your higher self we can stay together and we can observe this and we can work with all of this humanity mm-hmm. that you're experiencing and actually exert some level of power over it you know mm-hmm. it's a weird thing it's like the surrender paradox it's, yeah the more I can surrender. I mean, I'm just going to say it, it's so hard to like mince words, but the more I can surrender to God or source or universal intelligence, universal love, whatever Mm -hmm. one's perception is, but the more that I can really surrender to the idea that it has my highest good Mm -hmm. in mind Mm -hmm. and that my will and my ideas, while they're valid, are limited. And the results that I'm going to get based on my own willpower and pulling myself up by my bootstraps is only going to get me so far. Okay. But there is a source of power that's totally here, that's always accessible, if I'm humble and willing enough to, to access it, that can actually give me the power to affect change in my own life. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like in accepting that I would lack the power to do anything, it leaves room for the real true power, like capital T, capital P, the power yes. to move into my life and allow me to actually work with that. And that's that's how you can really help people. I mean, you know, the people that I've mentored and coached, mm-hmm. and especially in, within the context of um, addiction recovery, I mean, I've been able to witness and facilitate miracles because I'm not the one doing it. You yes. know, I'm leaving space for that divine intelligence to come in and really yeah. do the work. I'm just a foot soldier, but there is something there that's that's propelling mm-hmm me to evolve
0: okay so in the in the experience of your life on a normal basis how are you marrying that sense of luke wants to manifest this luke wants to bring this in luke wants his reality to look appear this way how do you balance that with taking you know luke's actions versus allowing luke to not take action
1: that's a that's a dope question yeah,
0: and allowing those things to just come in.
1: Yeah, this is this is the this is the riddle. This is great. So, the way I look at you know wanting things and having goals and objectives, right? And they're wholesome. I mean, yeah, I I would like to have own a nice home so that I can have a family, and I want you know proper, safe, decent-looking transportation. Mm-hmm. You know, the earthly things that you want, the material things that you want. I have I've done a lot of work around reconciling that, and what I've come to is that whatever it is that created me also created these desires, right? It's like I'm, I've am i been created to constantly expand. And so it stands to reason that I'm in this two-bedroom apartment. It's pretty nice, but I want a, be- a three-bedroom house in the Hollywood Hills. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to get there. And at a certain point, I'm going to okay, did this. Mm-hmm. You know what? I want a place in Maui also or yeah. whatever, yeah. you know? And those desires and drives – I think are just inherent to being a person because we're constantly expanding and we constantly want a new and more broad and rich experience. It's when those desires are left unattended and unobserved that they start to grow because I'm connected to that more egoic craving and wanting and I'm going to like buckle down and get it myself using my own will with no reference to the idea that there's a higher power that knows what's good for me. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in this apartment in a practical application, that would be like, I'm so grateful to this apartment and people come in they love it. It's beautiful. I feel very cozy here. It's a
0: really awesome apartment. It's
1: awesome. It's great. But And I acknowledge that and I appreciate it. Yes. But I also am looking for a house that's bigger and better and has more trees and less traffic and whatever, you know? So it's like, I don't have the sense that I'll be happy when, Mm -hmm. and that I'm not happy or satisfied in this apartment. I'm very happy in this apartment and I'll also be very happy in the next house. Mm -hmm. See what I mean?
0: Yeah. So in the day-to-day though, however there are practical things that would have to take place in order for that to happen. And so...
1: Unfortunately, (laughs) called work. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: And and however, you know, and this is something that plays into my life a lot because I own a juice bar. I have a couple of other businesses. I have this podcast. And there's a sense that there are great things in the works for me. There are great things in the works for for all of us and in terms of my own abundance and, and creating um, more of that. However, I find myself being caught in what I think should logically happen in, in a practical sense in order for those things to take place. Mm-hmm. And I find myself getting very caught up in you know the way that I think that it should line up for those types of things which are very practical and logical and so my logical mind can come up with a list of of programming ways to get there so how do you marry that that practical formality with also allowing in that sense
1: well it's surrendered action and it's staying out of the results so you know i just hit a million downloads with my podcast which for a new podcast in its first years is Okay, you know. Thank you. Yes, high fives. That's awesome. I don't even know if that's relevant. It, to me, a million device, you know, a million yeah. times that that shows ended up on someone's device and has did you have it.
0: like so? This is what I want to know. I want to know about like the processing. Did you have an intuitive hit? Like you know, what a million downloads would mean something to me. It would be yeah
1: benchmarks and goals. But here's the thing: I don't. I'm not taking action every day to get to the million downloads. And this year, I want 5 million in 2018. So I got to get four or more, <laughs> basically.
2: Okay. Which
1: I really think is actually... Po- well, everything. it's totally Absolutely. possible. Is it yeah. going to happen? I don't know. But he- here's the thing. I just show up and I give the performance. The results are not my business. I'm not in the results business. See, that's that's the defining change that's taken place in me is before I was very results oriented. So, okay, I want this goal. I want this thing to happen. Mm -hmm. And then I work and I work and I work and then I don't get it. And then I'm disappointed because I'm in my own will. It's called self-will. Like that's what's supposed to happen. Dude, I don't know what's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm not God. I mean, I've had so much experience of running on my own intellect and the ideas that, Form what my life is supposed to look like and the relationships I'm supposed to have and where I'm supposed to work and, and all of that. and 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 I've proven to myself over and over again that when I get what I want, it usually sucks <laughs> if there's no spiritual wisdom yeah. behind it. Yeah. So I want things and I have goals and I work my ass off for them, but I'm about the work, not about the result. Does that make sense? So when I was my goal was to hit a million downloads by New Year's Eve of 2017. Mm-hmm. And I worked my ass off to do that. Yeah, But I was in the work, not in the results. Yes. If the result didn't happen, then I would immediately just contextualize it as, yes. oh, that wasn't actually supposed to happen. Yes,
0: and you're, okay. you're to, totally okay with to it. According to
1: the highest good, yes. yeah. So yes. my, w- what surrendered action looks like is I walk outside and I think it might rain and I've got my umbrella with me. And then it starts to rain. Surrender isn't just walking around in the rain like a fucking idiot. Yeah. Surrendered action is opening the umbrella, but not bitching about the rain. It's like, okay, I. it's like deep acceptance. Mm-hmm. It's like acceptance of every moment as it arises. But the acceptance is really, there's a precursor to acceptance, and that's having a surrendered life where... Mm-hmm everything in my life is surrendered including how long i'm going to live and all of that yes. it's like i've let go i've stopped being in control of the future because i'm not or at least believing that i am but that doesn't mean that i just sit around meditating and like oh whatever i don't mm-hmm. need you know i don't need to eat uh, it's not that's not the path like yeah. i'm a householder i'm doing spiritual work out in the world in a mm-hmm. very proactive mm-hmm. and and really kind of a public way i think mm-hmm. God or universe uses my personality and my passion for the things that I research and bring to the world. I just happen to be someone who's kind of out front and doing things in the world, but inside I'm very surrendered and I'm always doing it from the perspective and the motivation of, does this serve the highest good? Yes. And know that I'm included within the highest good. Yes. So if I'm trying to get this house in the Hollywood Hills and move out of this and it doesn't happen... I'm actually not even disappointed because I just know that it does. I trust God. I You're know You're not that, attached
0: to it. Well, I know that, that I'm not that
1: intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a higher intelligence. All you have to do is just look at the miracles of nature and the miracles of the universe, and you'll know that there's a force there that's smarter than any of us. Right.
0: Where has the, there been an example of that miracle in your life?
1: Oh my God. When I have this fashion school, that's my main gig. No one knows that. They always, people are like, why are you so stressed out? And so I'm like, dude, I have a whole business called School of Style. And thank yeah. God I have a partner who's a badass and she does a lot of the heavy lifting. Thank God for her because it probably wouldn't have survived. But I, I'm a CEO of a fashion school. We've been mm-hmm. doing that for nine years. It's called School of Style. Yes. Uh, it's a fantastic business. We've helped thousands of people have a career in that industry. It's very rewarding. But when I started the school, it was just a, brain seed that I had and I just manifested that shit and I was I had a good idea at the right time and I really worked hard and I had a lot of credibility in the industry because mm-hmm. I had been a fashion stylist for 10 years but I started that school and as fate would have it I didn't know I was starting a business right in the middle of the recession in 2008 mm-hmm. I don't watch the news I don't even yeah. know that you know right. I worked in Hollywood already as a freelancer so we're we're sort of insulated mm-hmm. from the economy issues we yeah. don't really like have bubbles and busts it's just I don't know. Always, they're always going to make movies, you know what I mean? And TV and film and uh, uh, music and all the stuff I was doing. So 2008, I have this idea to start a business. I finally pulled the trigger. I have my first class on November 8, 2008. November 9th 2008 was the launch of a little show called The Rachel Zoe Project, which is a show about stylists, yes. a reality show, a huge show. And so what happened was, in those first five years of the school, we would get hit up all the time to do TV shows so my partner and I would get an email or a call oh hey we're such and such production company we do these 10 hit reality shows you guys have an amazing business here we want to make a reality show about it we'd sign contracts we'd lawyer up we'd start shooting a sizzle reel we'd go into yeah. pre- you know pre-production and mapping the whole thing out we're, we're set to go I'm like so I'm, oh my god yeah, it's I'm happening. gonna get I'm gonna get all these girls I'm gonna <laughs> buy a house in the Hollywood Hills and my own helipad And I mean you know I'm gonna be on TV I'm gonna be famous I'm gonna be like yeah. The male Rachel's—I uh, mean—it had all these ideas, right? And then this happened three or four times. And then one day, it's like you—you uh, you call the production company, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, that guy doesn't work here anymore." And you're like, "But we, <laughs> what our show, th-, you know?" And they're like, "Yeah, no, it it's just, not happening. It just disappears. Yeah, it just—it's like sand through your fingers. You're just like, wait, we had a thing. What mm-hmm. happened?" So the first time was a little disappointing. Then we get hit up again, and then we're like, "Okay, grain of salt this mm-hmm. time." You know, like, yeah, okay, we'll go to the meetings, we'll yeah. we'll dress up, we'll, you know, we'll paint the picture yeah. that we think they want to see, and all that played the Hollywood game, the pitch meetings and stuff, went yeah. to all the networks. You know, by the fourth or fifth time, we're just like, I don't even give a shit yeah. about the emails. <laughs> I take five days to answer. I'm yeah. like, yeah, whatever, I don't know, we can talk, we don't really care. Yeah. But in, in the ones that were disappointing to, to your question, after some time had passed, my partner and I both looked back. We're like, "Oh my God! Thank God we didn't get those TV right. shows, right. Because there were other things around the corner that really served our students and served the business entity um, in ways that were more sustainable and just more, you know, forward thinking, right? So maybe we would have had this bubble of money and a little reality show fame in, you know, 2010 or 12 or whatever it was." But then it could have totally imploded the corporation yes. because we weren't ready for that type of growth, and mm-hmm. we didn't have the infrastructure, and we didn't really have our business model was you know needed so many tweaks and adjustments. So now it's I, it's one of my biggest gratitudes, you know, in terms of my career is oh my god, thank God I didn't become famous on reality shows or have that level yes. of success because it, it wasn't what served the highest good. It wasn't what universal wisdom had in mind for us. So
0: And you, there's and I been, think that's true. And
1: there's been hundreds of situations like that where, you know, I really want something. I want it so bad. I yeah, just know yeah. it's the answer to everything. I want that girl or I want this mm-hmm. and it doesn't work out. And then now, rather than it having to be two years later and look back, it's like I live my life like that. So when I don't get, quote unquote, my way Mm -hmm. in the instant, I'm like, okay, I'm good.
0: It's a miracle. Yeah, I
1: let go. It's called surrender. It's like I've surrendered to my own ideas. Now I have ideas and I implement, I take action, I Mm -hmm. do everything I can to achieve my objectives. But when they don't pan out and I've done everything I can, Mm -hmm. then I very easily let them go. Yeah because i don't want to use my will and that grit yeah. to put myself in a in a position or into a situation that doesn't serve me or other people.
0: Yeah, i think it takes a very conscious person to be able to see that because there are there's so much information in the world about just pushing through and, um, getting through the hard times and, and not recognizing that state of, um, disconnection, not recognizing that state of unattachment and, and just, you know, forcing through. Right. Totally.
1: Absolutely.
0: Are you checking your camera? It's raw talk. It's okay. Things can happen. Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: Things can happen on your yeah. podcast. Yeah. I'm like, you guys listening, I'm motioning to her. I'm doing that keep talking uh, hand movement. <laughs> I'm just resetting Instagram live is what I'm doing because okay. it, it has a timer and it, oh, okay. it turns off after some time. Yeah, so... I'm like very Hollywood. Like I always try to <laughs> have this facade that nothing happens behind the scenes.
0: Oh, it does.
1: So um, but, please carry but on. But yeah,
0: I'm just, I'm kind of thinking about my experience and... And I'm a lot younger than you, Luke. So you how know, how old are you? 29. 29. Oh,
1: okay, yeah. Cool. So
0: I feel very infantile in my businesses. I feel very infantile in my experience of life, and um, and so it is sort of a state where a lot of things are happening, and there's a lot of energy around a lot of different things. And then you know, there there comes to be a breaking point that because I'm fried, because I'm working on all of these things that are not energetically responding yeah and and it's it's beautiful to be in a in the place that you are where you're so unattached and you're so committed to to surrendering to something outside of your initiatives that you you can be in this like when I look at you I feel like you've created a life that is balanced stable and simple and I admire that so much.
1: You know what's funny though is it it it, it is, and I have. <laughs> but what's funny is inside. I still a lot of the time just feel crazy. I'll be totally honest. I mean, it. I feel really good. Like after maybe two or three p.m., I'm like, oh damn, I got a good life. I'm feeling good. It takes a lot of work for me though to get to what be what you're perceiving. Like, Oh, I'm a super chill guy. I'm very Mm -hmm. peaceful. It's like, I have a lot of inner turmoil. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think like the bar is set pretty high because where I come from is like so below the bar. And so for my subjective experience in my life, I'm always looking on the next thing that I want to work on. So like right now, for example, I mentioned before being addicted to your phone and I seriously think my phone is really interfering with my happiness. I refresh freaking social media constantly. Refresh,
0: refresh, refresh. I can't
1: like go, I mean, I go to the bathroom, I take my phone, it's like with me all the time and it's not healthy. And Mm so I don't oftentimes stop to recognize like, wow, look at all the pathology and the neurosis that I've managed to get a grip on Mm -hmm. through all of these practices because like once you solve a problem, then it's just done. Like I don't sit around thinking about smoking cigarettes like I quit that shit five yeah. years ago. It mm-hmm. took me 15 years to quit smoking cigarettes, like trying to quit for 15 years and then finally did. But I don't sit around every morning going, oh, you know what? That's awesome, Luke. You quit smoking, man. Good job, bro. <laughs> I just think, "Up, oh, loser, done. you're still addicted to your phone. Yeah. I'm always looking oh,
0: at- Oh, I'm the exact same I'm way. always
1: looking at the next thing. And I think that's just part of human yeah. nature is we're goal-oriented and we're- I mean, we're as da- I always quote David Hawkins, he just said a great way of saying this, we're always looking at the pile of coal in front of us to be shoveled, not the one that has been shoveled or the 10 piles behind us. It's just sort of the way we're wired. So yeah. I do have a really balanced, sweet life and I have a lot of love and great relationships and my lifestyle emotionally, mm-hmm. mentally, spiritually, physically is very healthy, but I don't necessarily experience it that way because I'm always working on the next thing. Like right now, I just totally nuked and just destroyed everything I ever thought I knew about relationships. And I'm just starting, I'm literally like a 15-year-old kid that's just like, yeah, I have no clue. I'm going to learn from scratch because mm-hmm. a lot of the things that I brought into my current age and my adult life haven't served me to the degree that I, I want them to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I look at myself as totally not having my shit together in that area, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, but maybe there's some other areas of life where I've got it pretty, pretty dialed and I could, you know, run circles around some people that are trying to figure it out and I could really clarify things for them. But I'm always sort of looking in the nooks and crannies and keeping an inventory of myself of what needs to be worked on. So it's kind of annoying, actually, because I don't often appreciate... Who I've become and I the that. work that I've done. Does that I, make sense?
0: Oh, I, I resonate completely with. Because I look at you, you're nine. No you're twenty nine.
1: I don't. I don't uh, know you that well, but you have this business and businesses. You have your podcast. You contacted me. You showed up. You know, you got your act together. I'm like, wow, this girl's got it going on. Twenty nine years old. You're Thanks. crushing it. At twenty nine years old, I was a freaking basket case. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was a disaster of a human being at twenty nine. So you yeah. probably, I think, all of us at times are doing a lot. better better and we're further along the path than sometimes yeah. we think you know
0: but wouldn't it be sad if we if after all of this we didn't sort of have that experience of appreciation from a place of getting to enjoy it completely
1: yeah yeah that would suck yeah I, I mean I struggle with that sometimes because
0: because you work a lot I feel like you work I a work lot. Re-
1: I work really hard mm-hmm. I, I do and it's like I do a lot of self care because a lot of now, thankfully, my work involves self care It's part of yeah. what I do is I'm an expert on self care you know you built it in yeah i've I've built it in to my lifestyle, but I still have to make a real effort to your career, yeah exactly, yeah, but I have to make a real effort to acknowledge myself and appreciate myself mm-hmm. I and mean, I still do have you know massive levels of shame and self-loathing just percolating under the surface you know yeah and and it's there and I'm doing everything I can to address it and deal with it and to really develop more self-love and self-esteem and just kind of like acknowledge how awesome I am not in a sense from an ego where I'm more awesome than anyone else but just I'm my own version of awesome and it takes. it's a discipline to, to get in the habit of doing that yeah. you know I do all sorts of stuff like affirmations where I look in the mirror it's like mortifying It's. I feel like such a loser <laughs> <laughs> like, do, like I was doing it today and I'm like are you really and I was like no I'm doing this I'm doing this I'm saying really kind things to myself it's and I have so, different I mean, things that I read and stuff you know what I have better days when I do it mm-hmm. I, I feel better but it, it takes effort it's not like I just wake up and I'm automatically like wow you know I'm a great guy I really got a lot going on I mean I have to I have to really look hard." Sometimes Mm -hmm. to acknowledge and identify my individuality and and my contributions to the world and my strengths and things like that. It definitely for me, I have such a self negativity bias, you know, Mm -hmm. that I really have to work hard to keep my head above water and like, really own the man that I've become.
0: When are you doing that inventory that is pushing you to do something different, like taking the hiatus from relationships or doing the affirmations? Like when does that inventorying you know, happen? You
1: know when it happens for me when I make a big change or I, I take a, an aspect of my life and really focus on that and learn about it and study and read books and talk to experts and really work on it? How it works for me is when something hurts enough, I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I need to deal with that. Like just the other day, I was, I had a, mo- a few moments where I started to have these dark thoughts and meaning like those thoughts that go, why am I even doing this? Like, why am I alive? Yeah. Not necessarily like I'm buying a gun and I'm going to end it, but the thoughts that come right before those thoughts, which is like, really? Wow. What's the fucking point? You know, I I work so hard, you know, that sort of like borderline self-pity type depression. And what it was around was just about right now I'm in flux of like needing a full-time assistant, but making sure that I can fund the, the quality of person, the caliber yes. of person that I want. I probably can, but I'm not sure. There's a little vagueness around that, but I've definitely made my life and my career too busy to just be me doing it. And so now what's happened is a lot of things have through the, fallen through the cracks and there's this percolating stress in the background because I know there's 56 emails that I haven't answered mm-hmm. and whatever, right? So it was, it was kind of around that just basic overwhelm and I started to really hate my life for maybe ten or fifteen minutes, where I was just like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna quit all this shit." Yeah,
0: you only had ten to fifteen. It minutes It used to of be this? weeks
1: and months of that. Yeah, so it's it's get the the periods are Ooh. getting shorter, but now I'm like obsessed with um, this podcast GTD, Getting Things Done, which mm-hmm. is this productivity system and. I was like all right i'm in the problem right now i need to be in the solution i went in the sauna i was like i'm listening to getting things done i listened to that i was like oh i'm just in overwhelm because i have all these loose ends that aren't getting gtd is an amazing system uh i don't know if it works for every personality type or even mine but the premise there is that the subconscious mind starts to get worn down when it has to remember too much Mm -hmm. stuff so essentially you empty everything out into various buckets and you just get it out of your head by writing, yeah. Well, you could people do it, um, they call it you know digital or or material or whatever their terminology is, but yeah, you can do notebooks and things like that. And so, once a week, you have this download where you just get everything out of your head. So, anyway, I listened to a podcast about it, which was motivated by my pain that afternoon. Yeah, I listened to that podcast, so I was like, oh, light bulb, now I know what's wrong. And I, I got my notebook, I think it's right over there, and I was just like, and I just rattled off every single thing, um, you know change that tile in the kitchen uh take your car <laughs> to get detailed just all that annoying yes. stuff mm-hmm. and also big things pitch this huge podcast to be yes. a guest um get booked at this conference as a speaker mm-hmm. get a book agent just you know long term dream type goals and just immediate things i got to fix around the house yes. and shit you yes. know and I swear to God, all I did, the tool I used is I listened to that podcast and I just wrote down everything and not in any type of order of priority, not a to-do list, just like, oh my God, my head is going to freaking explode, mm-hmm. get it all out. And that's why it only lasted a few minutes. I did that and I was like, nothing's actually changed. Right. All that stuff is still undone. Yes. I'm still buried by it all, but I'm not. I'm not having the sensation of being buried because it exists in a notebook, not in my head. And so when you're saying like, what motivates you going into these different areas? Now I'm very motivated, it's tax time. So I've got, I book, right immediately I booked a, a, a accountant and bookkeeper, you know, like um, meetings to go mm-hmm. over all the numbers from 2017. I uh, really looked at all my credit cards, like all my receipts are scanned. I mean, I got all the money kind of stuff in order, looking at credit card debt, like have a plan for that, paid some of that off. So now I'm like in a hyper organization mode and I've got a really great job description for the assistant that I'm going to hire. And I'm being very proactive now. But I wouldn't have done that unless I was in pain that day. Yes, I'd still just be kind of like sweeping that stuff mm-hmm. under the rug and like, ah, I'll deal with it later and procrastinating yeah. and being overwhelmed and confused. Yeah. And But then, then
0: some, sometimes that turns into something more than just kind of the work and the, the chaos. It turns into that self-loathing because it's almost like you don't have the stability to support um your needs
1: yeah yeah it sucks it sucks but i think i mean i think some people just work on themselves because hey that sounds like a good idea for me i work on myself in these different areas when it becomes really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and in the context of relationships i wasn't like wow, I'm really happy and I'm doing relationships great. So I think I'll stop doing them for a few months or I'm going on eight months now. So mm-hmm. who knows, it might end up being a year or something. It was like pretty a couple of really painful situations that I was in that were very difficult on many levels. Great in some ways, of course, like any relationship, but also pretty rough. Mm-hmm. So when I got out of the last situation that was rough, I was like, whatever I did... Take responsibility. There's Mm -hmm. no blame on anyone else. I made every decision. I did it all. Yeah. Whatever I just did, I cannot afford to do again. Mm-hmm. So I need to look at how I do things. You know. Yeah. So now I'm just writing and reading and really taking some time. Yeah. But it for me it it's usually motivated by pain. You know, <laughs> pain is the ultimate motivator. Where I just have to admit to myself, yeah, you think you're pretty smart, Luke. Well, over here, you don't know what the hell you're doing, man. You better you better wise up and and learn whatever's missing. And that's but that's the beauty of life. There's a lot of stuff I have figured out, and that's great. It's just, it's always on to the next thing, you know? It's always on to the next thing. What area, um, is being neglected or what area do I lack maturity or understanding? Yeah. So I really like to know, like I'm very uh, attracted to wisdom. Mm -hmm. I like wisdom. I like to understand how things work and I like to fix things and I like to improve all the time. It's just the way I'm wired. Mm -hmm. But usually the things that I'm, it's like whack-a-mole, you know, at the fair, it's like, wow, what am I going to work on now? Oh, shit. I was working on the relationship piece, but then money popped up. Oh boy. Now I got to like really hone in on that. Yeah.
0: But I do find
1: that I leave leave a lot of those things in the dust, though. I do. I I really do move past things. And I find the formula or the principles, I guess you could say, the truths that need to be applied to that particular issue, I identify them and I apply them, and I I kind of fix it. Mm -hmm. And then it's it's not an issue anymore.
0: I find that very interesting that you're so attracted to wisdom, because I also find that you're, I mean, you're obviously also very inspired by your spiritual sense, and having the both, sometimes you recognize that what you think, you know, in terms of logic and truth and, and a way out or a system can also, the reverse can be true as well. So how, do how, and actually I kind of wanted to take this turn into um, your motivation for biohacking, just to kind of like round out this conversation that's sure. been really deep sure. so so move that into like these seem to be very stable truths for creating physical health and and i want to know what your motivation to getting into that was <laughs>
1: it's exactly the same pain and suffering okay. any, any growth that i've had i swear to god is because i just come to you know a wall and realize okay what i'm doing is not working so if i'm if I have certain dietary choices that I'm making or exercise or lack of exercise or whatever, and the results I'm getting end up being dysfunctional or painful in some way, then I get motivated by that. And there's a fire Mm -hmm. under my ass and I figure out what the hell is wrong. So for example, In in the beginning stages of what you now would call biohacking, we used to just call it being a health nut or a health freak, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just into supplementation and herbalism and cleansing and detoxing, all that stuff. In the beginning, it's because I had just come off drugs. I was a walking freaking toxic waste dump. I mean, Mm -hmm. I probably should have had one of those radioactive suits on or something, you know what I mean? I mean, I was really, stuff used to just pour out of my face, like just... Gunk, you know. I mean, I was so toxic, and so the first mission was like, okay, I have no energy. I'm 26 years old, mm-hmm. and like I could barely walk. I was just so fried. Mm-hmm. I weighed 130 pounds. I'm six two. For context, uh yeah. now I weigh 185 <laughs> okay. pounds. Okay, okay, and I'm like Thin. pretty fit guy, right. you know. Yeah. So I was very so malnourished and sick. Pounds six. less. Yeah. Like- Wow. Yeah. So, and I was yellow and just, I was just a disaster. So at first it was like, okay, I need to figure out how to be healthy physically. Mm-hmm. And that's when I became a vegetarian and I started, you know, juicing and doing the er- the early stuff in the, in the late nineties that was kind of popular at that time for health. And then that worked for a while. And then a few years into that, I started having other health problems that, uh, that, that motivated me to go down the rabbit hole more and realize like, oh, wow, I thought I was being healthy being a vegetarian, but I'm eating tons of canola oil and Mm -hmm. rice with arsenic in it and wheat with gluten in it Mm -hmm. and corn with mold in it and (laughs) soy with xenoestrogens in it. I'm eating a diet that's totally Mm pro-inflammatory. And that's why I'm inflamed and my blood sugar's all over the place and i was just a disaster as a vegetarian you know digestive issues and everything else so then it was like okay well this isn't working i'm motivated by pain then i start doing more research well how did we get here like what did the healthiest humans in the in our you know, history of evolution, eat. Oh, actually, they ate quite a lot of fat. Mm-hmm. They ate a lot of animals and mm-hmm. they ate a lot of vegetables. Mm-hmm. And I found a really simple approach to food that started to make me feel a lot better. Yeah. And, uh, and had to leave whatever, you know, moral ideas I had. It was sort of like the vegetarian thing was difficult, but I was suffering. So it's kind of like, well, it's either me or them.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not,
1: not going to suffer and like be a martyr because that would be like not self-loving. Right. You know, so it's a bit, of, it's another conversation. It was, it was a bit of a hurdle, right. but it was more about health. It's just like, dude, I got to do what I got to do. Right. I've made conscious choices. So, you know, that's more just the, the fundamental dietary stuff and really, you know, only drinking spring water because I did research. Why do I feel like shit? Well, wow, I'm drinking water that's got fluoride and all these chemicals mm-hmm. in it. So of course it's not working for me. Right. Then into now, what people would largely view, I think, as extreme. I mean, you've been, what took you for a a tour of the apartment? I may have thousands of dollars worth of gadgets and devices all over. Tens of
0: thousands.
1: Yeah, yes. And so that is two things that if I, like right now, I feel really good, but if I'm like at an eight in terms of just well being, vitality, Mm -hmm. energy, feeling focused, if I'm at an eight, I'm just wired this way that. It could be a ten. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's like in the beginning, I was phys- on the physical side, the material biohacking side. I was more motivated, just but I just felt horrible and I was sick all the time. I was just a mess. To then getting stabilized and feeling good and going, oh my god, I didn't even know you could feel this good. What if you could <laughs> feel even better? better? And so you were asking me earlier, like, am I addicted to this stuff? And I was like, yeah, of course. You know, it's mm-hmm. just I I have a very extreme sort of obsessive personality and yeah. luckily for me and everyone around me it just it's focused on things that are really positive and beneficial now. Right. I'm not like obsessed with freaking cigarettes or pornography or drugs mm-hmm. or you know things that have negative consequences. I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with <laughs> hydrogen and my yes. amp coil and my sauna and all my yes. gadgets and supplements and I'm doing like a parasite cleanse right now not because I'm paranoid but because I got my labs done, yeah. I mailed my poop somewhere and they told me what was in it and they're like, "Yeah, dude, your gut is jacked." And I got a protocol from a friend and I'm fixing it. So you could say, "Wow, you're so obsessed, you take you know, 90 pills a day." I go Go look at my labs. You would too.
0: Holy shit, ninety pills a day.
1: Oh, I don't probably more. I don't know. I've never counted, but a, a lot. Maybe no, look, I don't know. I mean, this morning this morning my my handful, I was like, damn, that's a lot of pills. It was probably but I'm on two protocol right now. I'm doing a sauna niacin detox, which is very safe but very aggressive. Yes. And then I'm also doing a gut cleanse, purging myself of bacteria, E. coli, parasites, all kinds of pathogens, viral infections, all sorts of weird stuff that I had going on. So this morning, yeah, I had a huge handful of pills. I was like, "Did you have issues, bro? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, that's me. I mean, that's just, that's me. That's me. It's just the way, it's the way I'm wired, you know?
0: Another good question that I thought um, someone told me to ask you was, uh, do you think that any of these tools benefits are the placebo effect
1: Placebo is huge. The power of the mind is huge. I could throw all this crap in my whole apartment in the dumpster in the backyard. Probably feel pretty decent and have a great life, (laughs) live happily ever after, die when I'm ninety-five in my sleep. You know. Uh, To me, it's like fun and it's a hobby. It's just what I'm it's just what I get off doing. And it feels good. I like playing guitar and I like playing with my gadgets that yes. do things that are great for your health. Anything that I use, I look up the science. Quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't just like fall in some trend and like, oh, that sounds cool. I mean, I'll do a few hours of research on any device that I buy, especially if it's an expensive one. Mm-hmm. Any herbs. I mean, I don't just go online, for example, just, oh, this vitamin company, I'll just order their vitamins. No, right. I read every yeah. ingredient, what it does, where it's sourced from. I mean, their production facility. I'm pretty especially now that I have a sense of responsibility where I'm recommending things to people, I don't fuck around. Like I vet things as hard as I can. But then also some time goes by and you find something better. And you're like, ah, I thought this thing was good. Right. And then you learn more and more science comes out and more anecdotal evidence. You're like, ah, actually that thing I was doing wasn't the most awesome. I mean, I yeah. have skeletons of the biohack. And I have this thing called an ionic foot bath that I always see in my hall closet yes. there. And
0: and you think it's totally trash. No, no. That was the
1: thing back in the day. And yeah. you know what? It hasn't been disproven at all, yes. but it's just... I'm not drawn to it, I think, yeah. just because it's not novel anymore. It mm-hmm. probably is valid. But there are things that have a that, certain... That
0: was a good example.
1: Yeah, there are things because that I have a... certain that one's that, seen its day. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? There are things that are novel. And this is just the way trends work in the health industry, too. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got the new snake oil, the magic you know, yeah. anti-aging shit. And it's like, a lot of it is bullshit. A lot of it works. And you can also have a great life and never see any of that yes, stuff. Yes, you know? right. But... My objective is to optimize and be better than average. Like I went the other day and met with my doc, my functional medicine doctor at Parsley Health, Dr. Eagler, great guy, brilliant guy. And we were looking at my testosterone and uh, I think my last test was like 679, which for a 47 year old guy is like really, really high. Mm-hmm. It should be if I was according to American standards, like in the 300s or something, which would be uh-huh. really low, but that's the average, is, yeah. the average is low. So he was like, Well, this, you know, this looks good. This is um this is uh adequate or whatever terminology he used. And I was like, uh no. <laughs> I go, we want to be optimal. He's like, Yeah, exactly. This okay. is good, but mm-hmm. could it be even better? You know? And not that he 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 thought the testosterone was like already way optimal, but just in some other things we looked at, he's like, Well, this is the average, mm-hmm. but we don't want you to be average. I'm like, Yeah, I don't want to be average. I want to be full on. So it's like the placebo thing is real, mm-hmm. but the technologies and the herbs is also real, right? you know? Yeah. In other words, like, let me tell you a story, for example, just how powerful the mind is. I used to smoke Cuban... I've told this story millions of times. Hopefully no one listening to you or so heard it. Sometimes your story, when you're like... I'm like 47, I'm becoming that old man that yeah, like tells the, the same, same stories story. all the time. But it, it was a powerful moment in my life uh-huh. of placebo. And like it helped me see like, I don't know, is all these vitamins I'm taking really do anything mm-hmm. or do they work because I think they work, right? So I used to smoke Cuban cigars. I was an aficionado of Cuban cigars. I know a lot so about right them. I, I love freaking cigars. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately... I have too addictive of a personality and I can't ration them. So I would just be smoking cigars constantly spending like $60 a day. It was retarded. So <laughs> me and my homies were all addicted to cigars and we had like the connection who would go to Cuba Weird. and he would smuggle them back in the country and we'd mm-hmm. go meet him in an alley in Venice and he'd pop up in the trunk and he'd have his humidors in there. And it was like a deal because it's contra I mean, you wouldn't get busted, but it's contraband, yeah. you know? So it was like a whole thing we you're waiting for the shipment to yeah. come in. We're jonesing. So the, he goes and meets with the guy text me Luke all right come on out man I got the stuff you know I'm going to meet the guy and it was just like a drug thing you know I go out there go out on Larry's porch and he's like dude I'm sorry he didn't he didn't ha- he only had some Nicaraguan, which is like to me super swag. He's like, Yeah, he didn't have any Cubans. I was like, Oh, dude, I've been out for like the whole day. I'm just devastated. And I go, Oh man. All right. Well, something's better than nothing. So we light up these Nicaraguans. He's like, No, they're really good. They're just about the same as a Cuban. I'm like, No, that's what everyone says when they don't have any Cubans. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. There's nothing like a Cuban cigar. It's just the way it is. I
0: can't even believe this. <laughs> so
1: so so we light up the cigar and it tastes like shit. I'm just like so disappointed. I'm so bombed. He's like, "How is it?" I'm like, ah, "Pretty whack," you know. I'm not, but I'm smoking it because I yeah. need the nicotine. I want the fix. Halfway through the cigar, he I keeps asking me, "How is it?" How is it? I go, dude? It still sucks. You know what do you want? And then he kind of gets his you know a smirk on his face. He's like, "How is it?" And I go, "It's horrible." And then he goes, "You know what you're smoking?" I was like, "Yeah, shitty Nicaraguan cigar." And then he pulled the label out of the box. He had taken the label off it, and he goes, "You're smoking a Bolivar, whatever it was, like one of the really great Cubans." And he goes, "Ah, psych! You know, he tricked me basically. He was just playing with me to see if I could really tell, to see if my palate was so sensitive." What an
0: interesting test for a drug dealer. Well,
1: he no, he wasn't a drug dealer. He wasn't a drug dealer. I'm just saying. Oh, he was a smuggler. He was my homie. homie. We we got it from the same okay. smuggler. No, okay. this guy was actually my mentor, my spiritual mentor, okay. and the reason he did that was because he, he was showing me the matrix. He was showing me the power of the mind. And yes. it, it was actually like, as weird as it may sound, kind of a, a metaphysical exercise, as it were, or lesson. Yes. So he tells me it's the Cuban, and I was like, oh, my God, wow. And I'm like, yeah, but it tastes like shit. And then I start smoking, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> All of a sudden, in two seconds, that horrible cigar became The most delicious, buttery, chronic cigar I ever smoked in my life because of the power of the mind. And he goes, That's your mind. That's the power of the mind. That was the lesson. He he was. He was he was my spiritual teacher for about 10 years. Yeah, he just he was a biker from Louisiana, very unorthodox teaching methods. But he unplugged me from the Matrix and he showed me the power of the mind. So yeah, you could give me some spirulina, you know, and I think it's good for me and it's gonna make me feel great. And later on, you're like, by the way, that was dried cat urine. Maybe it makes me sick, you know what yeah. I mean? So there is a lot of power in that. But at the same time, I don't think I would do well eating the diet that I used to eat right. that was so inflammatory. Mm-hmm. I mean I mean, what if right now I just spent the next week eating McDonald's? Let me right. just see what happens. Like, is it mind over matter? Can I mm-hmm. can the power of my mind make that GMO, <sighs> rancid oil, toxic, inflammatory food not be that way? I don't know. Maybe. That's some real metaphysical power when you can transmute physical matter into something other than what it is. Yeah, I believe that's possible. I just yes. haven't mastered it. So, yes. for me, I'm going to take 90 vitamins. Hedge yeah. my
0: bets, you know? Yeah. And, and it brings a lot of truth to having intentionality around eating, having intentionality around doing all these things that you're doing. Um, because that is... that is that portion of it is incredibly important when we don't know what the future of our food looks like, we don't know what the the sourcing of our food looks like and things like that. So I think about that and talk about that a lot. Um but to kind of finish up a little bit, I want to ask some like ending questions. So if you I know actually when I walked into your house that it felt energetically different in here and I know that you've wired it differently. So I know that a lot of these and I've tried some of them before. Um, I want to know which one you felt has made the biggest impact in terms of like the biohacking tools.
1: Hmm. Well,
0: and it doesn't have to be a machine. You can pick, you can pick a regiment or a supplement or a diet. or. I mean, listen,
1: I think that if you gave me, you know, like my desert Island top picks, you know, what five albums would you take? You know, three, you can have three (laughs) things. Um, the power of breath work. Okay. Breath work and, I mean, things that don't require any apparatus. Breath work is extremely powerful. The more the shamanic breathing, Wim Hof breathing, yogic breathing, you know, really using your breath in a conscious um, in a conscious way and meditation. But really, hot and cold exposure, I think, are probably... To, the most, hmm, I don't want to say two, it's really one of the biggest biohacks. So cold showers, ice baths, cryotherapy, and then sauna. And also as it relates to nature. So really getting out and getting a lot of sun, getting Mm -hmm. out and getting into natural bodies of water, hot springs, cold ass frozen lakes, like being exposed to the elements Mm -hmm. and really developing resilience in your nervous system in relation to the elements, and also just in absorbing natural mm-hmm. the natural spectrum of light. It's just, it's really important. It's something, you know, as we sit in front of these really unnatural blue lights yeah. right now, which are heinous. I mean, if you become in tune enough, these things will give you a headache, yeah. you know, and I have them on because I want to make a video. But I, I think just being in alignment with nature in terms of hot, cold, yeah. quality water, quality lighting. Those are the fundamental things that really, with the exception of an infrared sauna that can get mm-hmm. kind of expensive. Uh, but Do you
0: think that that makes you feel more grounded? Do you think it makes your, your body feel more vibrant?
1: All of that. Yeah. Yeah. All mm-hmm. of that. Those are just staying in alignment with nature. Mm-hmm. Also avoiding blue light at night being conscious of the circadian rhythm. Why See, don't we
0: have our orange goggles on right <laughs> yeah, now?
1: I know, right? It's all. Right. Well, how it's it is it's later than I would normally have yes. this lighting on. Sometimes, you know, I take one for the team. I <laughs> try to not be too crazy about it. Uh, my friends would argue about that. But, you know, being in sync with the sun, being in sync with the light and dark cycle uh, of the seasons, hot and cold exposure, uh, fundamentally and then just As far as diet, for me, what's really worked is just avoiding foods that are inflammatory, um, which means that I eat a lot of vegetables, a lot of fat, and I'm very, very picky about the animal products that I eat. I don't just eat like random meat. Like I get it from a butcher. I've been to their farm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've met the animals. Like um, I have a close relationship with my food as close as I can, at least when I'm home traveling, mm-hmm. of course, everything goes out the window. So that's kind of just the basic foundational stuff. But as far as the hardcore, like, whoa, this is, this is moving the needle. I would say my most recent discovery is the amp coil. So okay. that thing over there and, and, the amp coil is like a I, can't freak- w-
0: I need to t- I need to try it, it for like you can a second. Try it. Can you feel the difference immediately?
1: You well, I think yes, you can, but you can run a program on it that's about twenty minutes and you'll feel very different. Um, the amp coil is like a Ferrari and I feel like I've just learned how to turn the ignition. It's a really advanced piece of health technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was invented to actually treat Lyme disease and it's there's tons of reported cases of people becoming symptom free from Lyme. You know, we don't use the word cure. It's not a medical device. There's all those kind of things that you have to be aware of in terms of your um, terminology. But it's if it's powerful, I knew when it when I when it was proven to me that it's powerful enough to get rid of Lyme, I was like, oh. Yeah. The shit that I have is not even close to as bad as right. Lyme. And so I've been working with that machine um, for a while and it really, it really is like a Ferrari. It's very powerful. It's not that hard to use, but it has so many different applications because it works on energy, and works on your chakras. It works on you know the vibration mm-hmm. uh, and the frequencies within your body, and it produces frequencies that either nourish and support your organs, uh, or it has frequencies that can detox your body and your organs on a cellular level. So it's really powerful. And at times I've sort of been a little too, um, aggressive. Yeah. I've been too, a little Shocking. blasé, a little too <laughs> aggressive and, I've actually gotten fatigued quite a few times and I'm like, Oh, what the hell is wrong with me? I have no energy. And I'm like, Oh damn, I haven't been following the directions, you know, (laughs) Uh, that's kind of how I do it. Also. I'm the, I'm the canary in the coal mine. And so now when people get an amp, like don't do what I did. Don't go too fast. You really have to be smart about the way you use some of these technologies. They're, more powerful than they seem on the mm-hmm. surface, you know, but I, I think the amp coil is the one I'm most excited about because the potential is just insane, like what you can do with that particular technology. And also because my mom has Lyme disease and that's why one of the main reasons I got one mm-hmm. and got involved with that company and really interested in what they're doing because... I'm learning the machine now and hope to go stay with my mom for a bit, get mm-hmm. her dialed in and really help her with that particular thing. So I think my number one now is probably the amp coil, aside from just, you know, your basic lifestyle stuff.
0: Yeah. So we have the hot and cold elements, yeah. um, the amp coil and breath work. Those are amazing suggestions. Yeah. And well, I think pretty balanced. And two of them are incredibly accessible.
1: Well, totally. That's the thing. I mean, wh- why we're sick? Is because we're not in alignment with the principles of nature. We're under artificial light and we're surrounded by EMFs and we never get cold and hot. We're at sixty eight degrees our whole life. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. Yeah. It's only been about two hundred years that we're living in the ways in which we're living now yeah. that are that are not supportive of biology. It's just so much of what we do is yeah. bad for you. So it's, it's it's a fine line between like being totally controlling and paranoid about mm-hmm. everything you're drinking and eating. Like there's another whole neurosis psychologically on that side of it. But there is also a balanced way of just like, no, this is the way I live my life. I'm doing my best to live in a city And with the modern conveniences like Wi-Fi and cell phones and all that stuff, but I am going to just make adjustments along the way to try to mitigate some of the risks inherent to those quote-unquote advances in technology. It's like it's really convenient to be able to go buy processed foods that are Mm shelf-stable, right? But there's a price that you're going to pay for that convenience versus going to the farmer's market and getting some really fresh meat and some fresh vegetables and, you know, eating off the land More so. Yeah. You know what I mean? I
0: think also when you become so in tuned, when you start checking in, you then naturally know what you're missing. You you can then naturally feel like I'm not nourished. I need whole foods or I haven't, you know, like you just begin craving the sun. You begin craving air. You begin craving fresh water. Yeah. And it fr- it comes from that place of just continuously checking in and recognizing the shifts in frequency, the shifts in vibration that you're feeling from your tools, from the things that you're imparting and adding into creating this wholeness of an experience of life.
1: Yeah. And that's also the, the sort of catch-22 of it is that when, when I'm – really used to feeling really good and never getting a cold and just mm-hmm. being like just badass just feeling strong and in shape and healthy then anything less than that becomes so horrible you know what i mean it's like that's the it's it's like a double-edged sword because lately i've been having some issues with my vision and i feel dizzy and i have weird stuff going on and i can't figure out what it is and it's like it bothers me so much more because i know what it's like to feel totally on point and centered and have a very clear mind mm-hmm. and no brain fog and memory recall and just be crushing it so it 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 kind of sucks cuz mm-hmm. i can't dip below that or it's there's so much contrast now between feeling yeah. good and not feeling good so
0: but then what would be your motivation to learn more
1: yeah exactly well that's the thing now i'm like all right <laughs> that's why i'm doing these these detoxes and stuff i'm like I don't have a lifestyle that allows me to run around feeling dizzy. Like this is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fix it. I'm just going to fix it. Yeah. I'll figure it out. I'll get stem cells shot in my freaking ear or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I'm not having this. Yeah. I'm 47 years old. Like I should feel amazing. Yeah. I 90. I agree with
0: that and I also feel that sometimes the universe has imparted some of those feelings or illness in my life so that I stopped and did an inventory of other things that right. were not necessarily physical that were emotional and i think that's important to note as well that sometimes we don't because i think it's very western to look at you know you have an illness and then there's a protocol to fix it there is an emotional and energetic frequency that had to be met to allow that virus to take over your body for example or had to you know match that um that bacteria that, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, on a frequency you're ta- you're level. You're talking
1: like an amp coil person now. <laughs> amp coil is all about frequency. And a lot of the work that that uh, technology does, it's biofeedback combined with PEMF, pulse electromagnetic field. And A lot of it is working on the bioresonance so it's like, yeah, if you have a parasite, it's because something within your energy field Allowed. is in alignment yeah. with that parasite. And that parasite, it's like, cool, perfect home. Yep. Where someone else could have had the same water, the same food that wasn't sanitary, and the parasites didn't lock into them because there's no energetic match. Right. That's on like the whole quantum physics, metaphysical kind of realm, which, you know, I won't say I don't, be- I, I, it's not that I don't believe in that. I'm just not as tuned into that end of it. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, I think of the hell stuff as a little more... Linear, like, right. oh, okay. I get my labs done. It Reports. says I have XYZ. Yeah, I find out what kills XYZ and I take that, and mm-hmm. then I go get my <laughs> labs done and I see that shit's yes. gone. I'm never like, wow, do I still have like you know resentment towards my mom or you know dad or yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is it something that I'm holding on to energetically? It probably is sometimes that I'm unaware of that. That's when you get into the realm of like healers and energy yeah. work and all that stuff, which I've I don't I haven't actually done that much of that, but but I do. Entertain those ideas and think that they're valid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm down with the amp coil people.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you were talking, I was like, oh, that's weird. That's the way they talk. Yeah. 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 They're they're very much into the energetics.
0: I think that it is all connected and I think it's a really good way to round out the conversation and to end the podcast because it comes back to you as a spiritual being, you as a physical being, you as an emotional and energetic being having to touch all of those aspects to be whole and to be healthy. And, um, I admire your persistence in, in seeking truth and seeking answers for yourself and elevating your experience and sharing that with the world. And, um, I want you to just end with with kind of your uh, your mission for this year and what people can expect from you on a personal and also a career level because you're doing amazing things that people can access all the time.
1: Cool, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited about this year. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I'm doing all this sort of cleansing on psychologically and physically. I'm really, ge- I mean, it's January, almost the end of January, uh, but I'm getting geared up because I have big plans I'm really this year wanting to do a lot more public speaking. I love getting out and connecting with people in person, especially having done the podcast for a year and a half. I mean, I do my in-person interviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I get to definitely have that bond with the guest. but I don't often have the opportunity to actually bond with the people that are consuming that content and that I have a relationship mm-hmm. with. So there's tens of thousands of people around the world that have a relationship with me but I don't have a relationship with them they're unknown to me right and so um, I find that when I speak at conferences and events and stuff like that that I get to meet so many people that listen to the show that are part of my sort of extended family and I really find that to be fulfilling it's just something I get such a high off is transmitting positive energy to groups of people it's it's terrifying To do it? Yeah. But it's also very rewarding. Like if there's a flow moment for me, it's like giving a great talk Mm -hmm. and then meeting the people afterward and being able to connect with them one-on-one and really have that heart connection. I think that's when I feel most on purpose. So it sucks because I wish just my purpose was being alone, reading a book without having to put myself out there and be vulnerable and face possible rejection or ridicule, but it's just kind of seems what I'm <laughs> driven to do. And uh, I'd also like to at least write a book, if not get one published this year, it seems like every one of my peers is like, Oh, I got a book. I got a book. I'm kind of like, I got five books in my head. Like yeah. I should, ha- I could totally have a book. There's a number of different things that I could write about. Um, I don't know that I'm the best writer in the world, but I definitely have the information. So mm-hmm. it's a matter of how to get that out. So more speaking um, book or books mm-hmm. at some point. And then, Really just the podcast, that's my baby, you know? It's like, I found something that I'm good at and that I enjoy. There's, of course, as you know, aspects of it I don't enjoy, like reading the ads and putting, you know, like all of the sort of admin work that goes along with it. I mean, I outsource a lot of that, but still just in order to curate the show and really be intentional about the way that I produce it and present it, there's just certain things you can't outsource, unfortunately, and Mm -hmm. a lot of those are admin and kind of, frankly, a pain in the ass. Mm Uh, things that I find myself doing I'm like oh god this sucks I hate this why am I doing this but then I drop an episode and everyone's like oh my god this changed my life you should see I'm sure it happens to you too I get these direct messages and I'm just like how am I possibly having this deep of an impact on people but I am so the show is that's like where it all started from and what gave me the credibility to branch out and maybe do a book and to do public talks because it's like I kind of came out to the world as this guy. I'm not just into fashion and music and all the stuff I've done professionally and achieved some degree of notoriety with, but this is my real heart's desire. So I think those three things um, on a professional level are what's meaningful. And then um, for myself, I'm really, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm really working on organization and productivity and my finances and really getting more and more clarity about money and taxes and the bookkeepers and actually reading my P&Ls and just kind of g- growing up in that way mm-hmm. you know um I've gotten a lot better, but I still just kind of, like, keep charging ahead, and sometimes I don't stop to really look at, mm-hmm. well, what's my overhead with the podcast, and how much do I actually make, and, you know, setting metrics and goals that are in that linear analytical world. Uh, it's not where I naturally excel, so it's a little mm-hmm. challenging for me to pay attention to that stuff, so...
0: I'm there with you, bud. You know, yeah, yeah. just
1: I just want to create content and just make magic, yeah. and yeah. and I can do that, and money does happen, yeah. but... I would like to have a little more awareness about finances and and all of that and just like we were um, talking about earlier just my workflow and finding ways in which I can do what I do but not be overwhelmed and feel so behind all the time Mm -hmm. and learning how to delegate and be a good leader in business and communicate adequately to my team and a lot of it's like stuff that I need to learn is like corporate startup shit 101 which I've had this business for nine years and I've learned so much but um, I've also had a partner that Mm -hmm. picks up the slack for things that I'm not good at whereas with my own brand it's all on me. Yeah. So any failure is mine, any success is mine. Yep. Which is cool because you get to keep all the money and the Mm -hmm. notoriety. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, you don't have to share anything with the partner. But it's also hard because it's like if something's not working, it's my fault. Like I just ran out of ads the other day for my show and I was like, holy shit, we're out of ads. Which means I'm paying out of pocket to produce every episode. Mm -hmm. I'm not down with that. So I had to like pull the fire alarm. Like, okay, and I got, you know, my girls that Uh, help me with the show like dude we need ads well what happened there's no one else i don't have a department that's like yeah
0: on it all the time yeah like the
1: ad department of bookstory.com i am the every department you know so things like that i really want to like put my big boy pants on and make this thing real because there are material financial goals that I have. I mean, I do want to travel and get a good seat on the plane and I want to live in a home that I own that doesn't have neighbors. Mm -hmm. I have a neighbor downstairs that he doesn't like when I play guitar and I fucking like to play guitar. So I need money to be in a place where I can do that freely. Mm -hmm. Um, And then of course the relationship piece, you know, I'm at a place in my life where the prospect of having a really healthy, fulfilling relationship sounds really good. Like I crave that, but in a different way than I have before, not for a sense of security but or even for pleasure or something like that or excitement, but from a place of um, expanding my own heart and opening my heart even more. Because I've realized in the past couple of years, I've really, really kept myself closed off in many ways. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sort of excited about sharing myself with someone in that sense. But, like we're with all this stuff, like we were talking about earlier, I only do the work. I'm not in charge of the results. And so it's like a place of being open and progressing, but also being neutral. So, like, if none of those things progress in the way I think they should, and I've put in the work, it's like, cool, that's not what's supposed to happen. Great. Yeah.
0: It's awesome. So, I think they're all admirable. I encourage all of my listeners to check out your podcast because, Thank you. you know, I know I understand the way that you perceive it. Um, but from the outside, it's, so incredibly curated. It's so incredibly professional. It's so beautifully put together and marketed so well and consciously. And I, I definitely want all of my listeners to be able to experience that aspect of you That's and dope. to be able Thank to grow you. with you and and see what this year brings because um, we're all open to it looking however it should and, and yeah. however it's, it is. it is to be for the highest good. And so I'm excited for you. Thank
1: you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And you know, I, I probably sound like with the podcast and stuff and all the goals that I, as stated, probably sound kind of humble and reasonable, but I have huge aspirations. Like Besides if you, those, if you look at like my podcast, <laughs> Are guest you like goals, Universe,
0: don't forget. No, dude, <laughs> my,
1: my goal. I have very specific goals for guests in my podcast, mm-hmm. and I look at, I look at it every night before I go to sleep. I have a whole vision book that I make every year. God, and, it doesn't end. And I, <laughs> you know, and I and I, met, dude, you see when I hear some crazy shit. See that hydrogen inhaler? Yeah. I finished my vision board uh, right before New Year's. And I have pictures of that inhaler, which is like $5,000. I have pictures of that inhaler on my vision board. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but that's my intention is to have one of those things in my home that I can heal myself and my friends with. And it's a month later and there it is sitting there. Nice. And it just arrived. It just kind of appeared. Someone's like, hey, cool. Yeah, you can have that. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. You know, so... (laughs) The jet hasn't quite manifest. you know, yeah. there's other things on there that haven't, but yeah, it's really crazy. But it, I, what I did for my, um, my podcast goals is I printed up, I did a screen grab of my iTunes page for mm-hmm. the podcast and, you know, it has a list of all your shows on there, right? Yes. And so I printed it up and I made like a fake list of guests that haven't appeared wow. yet. Wow. That I and I envision that when you look at my iTunes, you see those names: wow. Stevie Wonder, Stephen Tyler, um, Oprah Winfrey, Tony Robbins. I this mean, this is just- incredible. It's an insane list. Martin Scorsese, because he's a meditator. I mean, like, I'm thinking big, 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 big. Mm -hmm. Not that they all have to be celebrities, but just people that are just amazing human beings. Mm -hmm. And a lot of amazing human beings happen to also be famous in different circles. Um, And I have one. One of my podcast guests already came true also, and that's uh, Sharon Salzberg. So wow. I was able to interview her and I went to her apartment in New York City. She's like, yeah, cool. Come on over. Let's record. I mean, it's just totally surreal. So I have that one scratched off, but I leave it on there so yeah. I can go, wow, this works. Yes. And I'm going to leave my inhaler on there <laughs> and go every night. I'm going to look like, hell yeah, yes. that happened. So what's the next thing? I yeah. have pictures of what I think would be the ideal mate on there too. And I'm sure at some point one like that will probably appear in some way too. So it's fun. But my goals are huge. I just don't get attached to them. And I also don't think that I'll be happy when Mm -hmm. I get that girl. I'll be happy when I get the inhaler. I'll be happy when Tony Robbins is on my show. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. If I haven't built the consciousness of someone who can feel satisfied and grateful with what I have, then no matter where I get, I'll still be that unsatisfied person in that place.
0: Right. It's pretty incredible.
1: It's fun stuff.
0: Awesome podcast, Luke. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm going to put all of your contact information, all of ways to connect to you and um, tune into you on the show notes so that no one has to write anything down. And um, I think people got a good taste
1: awesome i think so too yeah we went pretty hardcore yeah <laughs> i forgot to ask you like is there a time line that you have in mind because i just like i go hard we didn't do we didn't go that long hour and 42 minutes yeah
0: we're pulling the plug everyone yeah. all right you guys good, good night thanks so much. thank you